0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode, I explored Liz Fossilian's recent TED video, How to Embrace Emotions at Work. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode. Today I'll be exploring Liz Fossling's recent TED video, How to Embrace Emotions at Work. You can't just flip a switch when you step into the office and turn off your emotions. Feeling feelings is part of being human, says author and illustrator Liz Fossling. She shares why selective vulnerability is the key to bringing your authentic self to work. Thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip.
1: No matter how hard you might try, you can't just flip a switch when you step into the office and turn your emotions off. Feeling feelings is part of being human. A pervasive myth exists that emotions don't belong at work, and this often leads us to mistakenly equate professionalism with being stoic or even cold. But research shows that in the moments when our colleagues drop their glossy professional presentation, we're actually much more likely to believe what they're telling us. We feel connected to the people around us, we try harder, we perform better, and we're just generally kinder. So it's about time that we learn how to embrace emotion at work. Now, that's not to say you should suddenly become a feelings fire hose. A line exists between sharing, which builds trust, and oversharing, which destroys it. If you suddenly let your feelings run wild at work and give people far more information than they bargained for, you make everyone around you uncomfortable, and you also undermine yourself. You're more likely to be seen as weak or lacking self-awareness. So, Great to say you weren't feeling well last night. You don't need to go into every lurid detail about how you got reacquainted with your half-digested dinner. So there's a wide spectrum of emotional expression. On one hand, you have under emotors or people who have a hard time talking about their feelings, and on the other end are over-emoters, those who constantly share everything that's going on inside. And neither of these make for a healthy workplace.
0: Showing emotion at work is such an interesting, topic, and it really does depend on the culture of the organization. So as she lays out at the beginning, first and foremost, we need to acknowledge that it's silly to think that we can't show emotion at work. If we have this picture of only the stoic, uh, non-passionate, non-emotive individual being a good leader, being a good worker, and that you need to check your emotions at the door and just be quote-unquote professional and get your work done— I mean, that that really is nonsense, and there is so much research as to how that can be harmful and damaging and actually reduce productivity and motivation of your people in your organization. So I want to acknowledge that uh, point, and she's absolutely right, that it's very important for our, our authentic self that we can share emotion, but we do tend to fall along a spectrum of of oversharers or undersharers and everywhere in between and how we define oversharing or undersharing in terms of our emotions really does largely depend on the culture of the organization so at one point in that first clip she's describing you know that we really probably should be more willing and open to sharing at work and when we do that we can be more engaged we can be more productive we can have stronger relationships, we can develop trust. All of these positive organizational outcomes can emerge and develop as we can emote and share authentically some of what we are feeling. But then she cautions and she says, but don't overshare, be careful, don't overshare. And the question then is, where is that line? How do you know when you're oversharing or undersharing? And my take is that it really, again, just depends on the culture of the company, that some companies, uh, some leaders are far more open and willing to have people share and others aren't. And it also depends on each individual person. Uh, some coworkers are far more open to sharing and so what their threshold of oversharing might be would be defined differently by them than it would be for another colleague who might be super uncomfortable when when someone at work is sharing something with them and they don't wanna, they don't wanna know about it, they, it just makes them uncomfortable. And we really do have to, to uh, at least mention in this conversation, also the importance of guarding ourselves against uh, harassment, sexual harassment, and emotional harassment, and those sorts of problems that can emerge. Uh, Now, sometimes organizations, for fear of those types of complaints and a hostile work environment, they really do promote trying to just leave your home life at home, work at work, don't get into all of your personal life stuff, in part because they don't want to delve into that arena of having to deal with personal things that can raise questions and red flags for, for people. And every individual person gets to define what is a hostile work environment for themselves, and that can be a tricky thing to balance. So acknowledging all of that upfront, uh, it, it basically is messy, and when you're dealing with humans and you're dealing with emotions, it's going to be messy. But back to her main point, We can't just, because of the messiness, we can't just say, okay, no emotion at work, be stoic, be quote unquote professional, leave your home life at home. If something happened, suck it up, stand up straight, get to work. That that doesn't work. And if we try to do that, we are going to burn people out. People are going to be disengaged. They're going to be looking for another place to work and you're going to lose your best talent.
1: So what's the balance between these two extremes? It's something called selective vulnerability. Selective vulnerability is opening up while still prioritizing stability and psychological safety both for you and for your colleagues. Luckily, anyone can learn to be selectively vulnerable with practice. Here are four ways to get started.
0: So her answer to the question of what is the right balance is selective vulnerability. And she's gonna lay out four specific things that you can do to develop that skill to be selectively vulnerable. And again, back to my point after the first clip, where that line is to, and where it's appropriate to be selectively vulnerable, how selective you need to be, uh, that does largely depend. And so you have to be able to know the people you work with. You have to be able to know your boss. You have to be able to know the organizational culture And hopefully we can over time create a more psychologically safe environment where people do feel safe and empowered to be their whole authentic self, to bring that self to work, to be able to share and express and emote opinion. If we're going to err, I would say we err on the side of over emoting because it, it can be so harmful and damaging to people when we have to just put a cork in it and, and pretend like everything's okay. Putting on that facade can be so damaging. So that's, that's my personal bias that if we're going to err, err on the side of, of vulnerability and sharing and showing emotion. And even if that means that you might overshare for some people and make them a little bit uncomfortable, I, I do think that that's probably better than the other side of the extreme or the, the other side of the scale of, not being able to develop meaningful relationships, not being able to develop trust, and ultimately the the negative psychological trauma that can occur as people aren't able to be their authentic self and having to wear uh, a mask and, and, and put on a facade while they're at work. So as we practice selective vulnerability and we try to create psychological safety, I think that's the key goal, psychological safety, and ultimately In the following clips, you'll get a taste of some of the specific things you can keep in mind as you're trying to gauge what that balance is and trying to, you know, be yourself, bring that self to work, but also not undermine your own work and your own uh, professional development because of how others perceive you if they were to perceive you as being an oversharer.
1: First, flag your feelings without becoming emotionally leaky. Bad moods are contagious, and even if you're not vocalizing what you're feeling, chances are your body language or your expressions are a dead giveaway. So if you are crossing your arms or hammering on your keyboard, your coworkers are going to know you're upset. And if you don't say anything, they might start to think it's about them and get worried. So if you are reacting to a non-work-related event, so traffic, for example, just flag it. You don't need to go into detail. You can say something as simple as, I'm having a bad morning. It has nothing to do with you.
0: I really like this first tip. It's very simple. Flag your feelings. Uh, the the whole concept of not being emotionally leaky, not allowing yourself to just go into too much depth on things that people really don't care about. But when people can see that you're upset, that you're frustrated, that you're angry, that you're stressed and that you have anxiety, when people can see that, and they can see it in your body language, they can see it in your face, they can hear it in the tone of your voice, even if you don't say anything particularly uh, open, you know, about how you're feeling, people can sense it. And so, People fill in the gaps when they're missing information and some individuals won't think anything of it. Uh, they'll just go about their day, but others uh, will, will wonder and they'll worry, you know, are they upset at me? Are they mad at me? Did I do something wrong? Um, what, what did I mess up? And then people can, can uh, have their own productivity reduced and their own sense of well-being uh, diminished just because you're not identifying what you're feeling. So flag that feeling, just, just say to your coworker, oh man, man, I had such a rough morning. Um, man, you know, kids, they can be tough sometimes getting ready for school. You know, just say something quick, brief, couple sentences, identify what you're feeling. Um, and, and then you can move on and they know where you're coming from. They know that you're dealing with something. They probably have their own stuff that they're dealing with too. You can commiserate together for a minute, uh, feel like you have each other's kind of emotional support behind you as you're, as you're moving forward and it doesn't have to become a roadblock. And I I guess that's the main thing with flagging your feelings is you don't want your feelings to become a roadblock. And you, if you can identify what you're feeling and then just share that briefly with those around you, then it's a good thing for you psychologically because you've been able to acknowledge and name what you're feeling through self-reflection, but you're also able to share it with, with your coworkers. organizations, and work. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life.
1: Now, if it's a work-related event that's causing you to feel strong emotions... That brings us to point number two. Try to understand the need behind your emotion and then address that need. If you suddenly start to find everyone around you irritating, sit back and reflect on that. And it might be that you're irritable because you're anxious and you're anxious because you're worried about hitting a looming deadline. And in that case, you can go back to your team to address that need and say something like, I want to make sure I get everything done ahead of the deadline. Can you help me put together a realistic plan to do that?
0: So it's one thing when you're dealing with stuff from your personal life, from your home life, that is causing anxiety, stress, frustration, anger, whatever, and you can flag that emotion, you can name it, you can identify it, and then you can share it with others and you can move forward. But what if it's stuff at work? What if it is your coworker who's doing something that's really annoying you? Or what if it's that looming deadline? Or what if it's, the uh, performance review that you're going to have next week that you're really nervous about, or there's a promotion that you are being considered for and it's really weighing on you and, and you're anxious about it. What do you do in that situation? Uh, again, kind of like with the first tip, you do have to be able to acknowledge it and identify it. You have to then though go beyond that and you have to realize what what's the reason behind what you're feeling? What is really the root cause of it? And if you can understand the root cause, then you can start to be proactive about addressing it. And sometimes that means turning to your colleagues, or if you're a leader, turning to your people, or if you're a subordinate, turning to your your boss and saying, "Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Uh, this, this is causing, you know, distractions in this way. I could really use help with this." And and talk with them about it. And maybe your coworker can help. Uh, pick up some slack, or they can help you think through or talk through how to deal with a difficult situation. Or maybe your boss can reallocate some time or resources to, to assist or to mentor or to coach, or they can add someone to your team to to help in the interim while you're de- dealing with this particular issue. But once you can identify the, the cause, the root cause of what you're feeling, and you actually reach out to those around you and you share uh, what you're feeling and try to be proactive about how to address it, then again, you're building relationships, you're building trust, you're building confidence, um, both internal confidence in yourself and your ability to deal with difficult situations, but also with those around you because they recognize that everyone has bad days, bad weeks. They, they recognize that everyone has their stuff, their hard things that they have to deal with. And part of life is just learning how to navigate that and how to deal with it and how to reach out for help when you need it. And so that doesn't undermine you and how others will see you. In fact, it usually helps people respect you more and trust you more because you've been vulnerable with them. You've been proactive and sought out help rather than waiting until you're so burdened and overwhelmed by what needs to get done um, that things fall through the cracks.
1: If you're thinking of sharing, try and put yourself in the other person's shoes. So if what you're about to say would help you feel more supported and better understand the situation, then go ahead and share it. But if it gives you any kind of pause, you might want to leave it out.
0: This one's tough because people are so different in terms of what they feel comfortable with. I think of my wife and I, that we just have different styles, communication styles, we have different personality styles and we have different kind of framings on what we are comfortable with and therefore what we think other people would be comfortable with. Um, and so we, we just have to recognize that. It's, it's not as simple as just thinking, would I be comfortable in this situation and therefore that's probably appropriate for me to do uh, in, in explaining or sharing something with someone else. We, I, I think the better thing to do rather than the golden rule, which she was describing, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, uh, what you may have heard of before is the platinum rule, do unto others as they would have you do unto them. So really that requires us to, to fine tune our emotional intelligence and to really understand our colleagues and to to develop true meaningful relationships with them so that we can know what they're comfortable with. Uh, we can understand what will be helpful to them or undermine them, be supportive of them or whatever. Uh, again, it's it's not as simple as just saying, hmm, I wonder how this would work for me. I wonder how I would feel in this situation. Uh, and then projecting that onto those around you uh, oftentimes can cause a lot of problems because people are just different from each other. But if we go through that self-reflective exercise and really consider uh, how others would like to be treated and understand uh, how we can better uh, interact with them, then you know, that's half the battle. Uh, it's, it's not going to solve all the problems and we're still going to sometimes have missteps and, and, uh, things that we'll have to correct, but, people uh, people recognize our good intentions and our efforts to be vulnerable and open and transparent and, uh, vulnerable, and they will appreciate that.
1: And finally, read the room and provide a path forward. If everyone on your team has been pulling long hours and you notice that one of your colleagues seems particularly deflated or anxious, you can acknowledge that and show some empathy, but then try to give them something actionable that they can hold on to. And in this case, you could suggest that you go to your manager and ask that your weekly meeting be pushed back a day so you both have more time to work. You're showing that you're invested in their success, but also that you care about their well-being.
0: I think reading the room is one of the best tips she's given throughout this whole thing because it really applies to all areas that we've already been discussing together today. Uh, you have to read the room. You have it, It's practicing emotional intelligence. It's that emotional uh, quotient, the EQ um, of the individual, to be able to understand what is happening with those around you. And... Part of reading the room means that if I'm having a really bad day or, man, I'm burned out because I've been working such long hours and it's so frustrating. Well, guess what? Everyone else in your team has been too. So you can unload and vent a little bit and share your frustrations, but is everyone else feeling the same thing or perhaps even more so? Maybe you have a boss that uh, has really been under pressure and has been working much longer hours than you have. So reading the room is also recognizing that whatever you're feeling is valid. You are feeling it, but other people may be feeling the same sort of things and they may be dealing with the same things you're dealing with even to a greater extent. And so you need to understand that. Now, if we're reading the room, we're also in a position where we can develop and, and express and show empathy to, tho- to those around us so that they they can see that we're, we are trying to help them. And understand where people are coming from so that you can be supportive and help them identify the resources they need in order to solve their problem. Uh, Ultimately, nobody's ever going to be perfect at this, uh, but we all know people who just seem to have a high level of emotional intelligence and a high EQ, and it is a a skill that we can develop. It is a skill that uh, over time we can practice and we can learn through self-reflection and through vulnerability and communication on how others are are dealing and managing with situations and we can ultimately be there for them, show empathy and be supportive.
1: When we can be honest about what we feel and freely suggest ideas, make mistakes and just not have to hide every piece of who we are, we're much more likely to stay at the company for a long time. We're also happier and more productive. So take a moment to reflect on the emotional expression that you bring to work each day. And if you are prone to oversharing, try editing. And if you're a little bit more reserved, look for moments when you can open up to your colleagues and be a bit vulnerable. And chances are, there will be a big difference in how people respond to you. And selective vulnerability might just become one of your most valuable tools.
0: I absolutely agree with her that selective vulnerability is very important and that we generally speaking i think most of us could probably do better to be more vulnerable more open at work because not only does that give you know give ourselves an outlet where we can be authentic and we can take off the mask and the facade which leads to our own increased emotional well-being and psychological safety and productivity and engagement uh, and commitment to our organization but it gives everyone around us the permission to do the same thing. We all know individuals who are so buttoned up that you feel like when you're around them that you have to be the same way uh, because it makes you nervous, it makes you uncomfortable because uh, you're worried about them judging you or whatever the case may be. And if, if that individual though, then you know, actually expresses some vulnerability and shows their emotive side, all of a sudden it gives you the permission to let your hair down a little bit, to, to let loose, to, to loosen that tie, to, to actually be able to be who you are. And ultimately that's what we want. We want psychological safety in our organizations. We want, if we truly want inclusive environments and cultures of belonging, then it starts with the foundation of psychological safety. And that comes through vulnerability and through the sharing of emotions and ultimately, uh, if it were me, I would say most organizations need to do a better job of moving along the spectrum to the, the emotional side of the spectrum, not the other way around. Uh, selective vulnerability, though, is important, and she gave some good tips on how to gauge that and how to think through uh, how emotive we should be in a particular situation. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I I think it's important that we just try to be aware of where we are, where we stand with those around us. And recognize that in different contexts, we might be, you know, we might portray ourselves and come across differently. I know that's certainly the case in my life. Um, In certain certain work situations, I'm much more buttoned up, I'm much more um, very stoic. In other work situations with people that I have relationships with, I'm much more open and vulnerable and uh, transparent and the mask, the facade is down and that is the place where I want to be most of the time. If, If I end up feeling like I have to be someone I'm not at work each and every day, I'm not gonna last there very long. And so ultimately we want people who feel safe, we want people who feel committed to the organization and we want to give them the opportunity to thrive. We can do that through emotional sharing and vulnerability and creating places of psychological safety. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As always, I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great week. We are excited about the launch